in her psychosis state. She was thinking that the devil would take my brother um, and have him die a horrible way. So she was saving him from that. Is kind of what her state of mind was. Welcome back to Other People's Lives. I'm Joe Sanagato. I'm Greg Dybeck. For anyone out there that would like to be a guest on our show, don't hesitate to reach out to us. Our email is oplpodcast at gmail.com. Just send us your story and we'll get back to you. This week, we got an email from a woman and the subject line read, my mom committed infanticide against my one-year-old brother. If you don't know what that means, it means that her mother killed her one-year-old brother. And she's here to explain the story to us and why she has forgiven her mother and does not believe that she's a cruel murderer. So we've got the guest on the line. Thank you so much for being on today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. Uh, and, you know, thank you for just your willingness to talk about a subject like this. Uh, obviously, we know it's not easy, so we really do appreciate it. Yeah, it's really hard, but I'm glad to get the message out there. Yeah. So can you just start off by painting a picture of just your childhood, uh, your mother in particular, and uh, what type of person she was and what sort of led to these events? Yeah, of course. Um, so we grew up in Vancouver, Washington, um, and just like a small like suburb kind of area. Um, we lived in a house like at the end of a cul-de-sac. Um, my mom and dad had been together for a few years prior to this. Um, they were married. Um, she kind of had a lot of like mental health issues, um, even like before she gave birth to all of us kids. Um, and my grandparents knew this. Um, a lot of the people like our family around knew this as well. So yeah, that's kind of, I mean, she, you know, was like fairly normal for the, you know, for the most part, but everyone kind of like, had seen some of those like instances where she was showing signs of mental illness. What kind of mental illness was she suffering from? Um, so back then they had like several different diagnoses, but um, her diagnosis to this day is bipolar with schizoaffective disorder. Okay. And as a child, um, not sure how old you were when these events happened, but you know, prior to the incident with your brother, was there ever fear of violence or a worry that you had, uh, or just, you know, fear of your mother in general? Um, not that I really remember, like, as far as I know, she just, you know, she was a good mom. Like there wasn't really anything as a kid. Um, I was, when the incident happened, I was six years old. So I, you know, I was a little bit younger, but I didn't really like felt any fear towards her or anything like that prior to that. So when the incident does happen, I mean, you're six years old, like, can you kind of talk about your perspective and how you found out and what you were feeling when you found out that your brother had passed away? Yeah. Um, so it happened on May 19th in 2006. Um, 
me, my dad, and my, so I have two brothers. I have um, a brother that's three years younger than me. And then the one that passed away was four or five years younger than me. So he was almost one years old. Um, and then my middle brother was three years old and I was like six years old. Um, so me and my middle brother um, were out working on uh, my dad's boat with him out in like our backyard area. Um, and then I went in to like go see my mom or something and don't really know much of the details, but um, that's when I walked in and saw something was wrong with my youngest brother. He was laying on the floor. Um, as far as I remember, I went and told my dad, and that's kind of when <laughs> he discovered everything and called 911 and all that. So your brother was one year old, you said? Yeah, he was, I think, about like 11 months or 10 months, something like that. So and about a year old. So do you remember what you saw exactly when you found him? And then how did you put the pieces together that your mom was involved? And what did she do exactly? Um, so she was, um, when I walked in sitting on the couch and he was like lying on our living room floor and I just remember seeing like red, but like I was, you know, kind of younger. So I don't really think I like knew exactly. I just feel like I had that gut feeling of like something was wrong. It's kind of a little patchy because of all like the trauma I went through. So it's hard for me to like remember what exactly I was feeling, but yeah, I just, yeah. So what did she do exactly? Um, so she um, stabbed him with a kitchen knife. Um, I guess while he was taking a nap, um, paramedic showed up, but on the way to the hospital, he passed away. And what were like the repercussions like for her after that? So, um, she had two different trials actually, um, a few years apart from each other, but immediately after, um, the cops showed up, you know, took her into custody. Um, I do remember hearing that she did try to like run away in her car, but I'm not sure exactly how true that is. Um, but she was like taken into custody. Um, the trial went on and she was supposed to get 20, I think 24, 25 years in prison. Um, my family and my grandparents were advocating for her to be sent to Western State Hospital, um, because a lot of it was, you know, built around her mental health diagnosis diagnoses and all that but um, I she only ended up getting 22 years because there was a retrial and that was in 2000 so is she she's still in prison now yeah she is um she actually gets out in a year wow so wow well we're so sorry that you had to witness this and and that this happened I'm sure you know you're so young at six years old but you mentioned just sort of that gut feeling that something was wrong. And you said yeah. that your mom was just sitting on the couch. Was she calm? Was she sort of in the middle of a mental breakdown? And how did the pieces she, come together that 
you know, she had just committed murder. Yeah. Um, I don't really think she was in the state of mind to even like know what she did at that point because um, she was like going through like definitely like deep psychosis at that point from postpartum. Um, Postpartum just kind of like worsened her mental illnesses for her. And apparently um, we found out the reason why she did it is because um, in her in her psychosis state, she was thinking that the devil would take my brother um, and have him die a horrible way. So she was saving him from that. Was kind of what her state of mind was. I just remember her being like sitting there, just like kind of in like a catatonic kind of state, staring. As far as I remember. And I mean, after that, uh, you know, we said earlier, like that you had forgiven, uh, you had forgiven her. So that is sort of alluding to the fact that you were upset with her, obviously, um, for a period of time. Can you kind of talk about those first, you know, I guess few moments or weeks or months or years where you were, you were upset with your mother and like, what was your reaction to this? Um, so a lot of the times were with my dad and my dad was obviously like, completely heartbroken you know that's his son so but it was also his wife um and we kind of got like a lot of like his side of things so I think like growing up over the years like at first we me and my um my middle brother just kind of like a little bit fearful of her you know just because of what happened like we had all these different mixed emotions um I don't really think I ever like hated her. I just think I hated her for what she did. If that makes sense. Yeah. It's, um, being that young too, it probably just takes years yeah. and years, even, you know, a decade more to really put the pieces together to sort of just evaluate, you know, the situation through, you know, just your own perspective. Yeah, it's definitely, it's a whole mix of emotions. Um, I will say we did go to grief counseling as kids, so that definitely helped with things, but we definitely grew up very quiet children, just kind of, you know, we were traumatized, so it shaped a lot of how we, you know, behaved and such, so. Yeah, are there any, you know, specifics, because um, I was curious about that too, where experiencing something like that so young, how did you find that it affected you, you know, whether it be socially or just, you know, sort of growing up? and and coming of age um i don't know i definitely like always a big thing was you know not really having a mom around it was very hard to hear like my classmates in school or just like my friends talking about their moms like oh my mom did this and i was just like <laughs> you know i didn't really have a, a mom growing up at least like in my house you know um we we actually were able to visit her growing up. Um, so we'd go do prison visitations with her um, up at, uh, in the Washington Correction Center for Women. Um, that's pretty much where she's been the past like 20 something years. Do you? So I had a. Yeah. Uh, do you visit her like still? Yeah. Uh, I actually just visited her last month. 
So what's your relationship with her like now? Um, it's actually pretty good. Like over the years we've like talked about stuff. Um, you know, I've during the trial, another thing that was kind of important to note, like she wanted to go to prison for what she did. Like when, once she returned out of that psychosis state and like realized what she had done, I think she felt very guilty and definitely like she advocated for herself to go to prison to like, you know, do the time for what she did. Um, even though my grandparents were fighting to put her in uh, Western State Hospital. So um, with with this relationship that you've built with her and this forgiveness, and you said that you never really hated her. And I think what's interesting is when you reached out, one of the things you mentioned is that you want to tell the story to spread awareness of postpartum illness. And you said that your mom is not a cruel murderer. Can you just talk about that perspective a little and, you know, just sort of explain to us just that mentality and, and how you got there? Because obviously we and most people listening have never been through this situation. Um, but of course it's very easy to hear a story like this and obviously feel so sorry for your family, for your brother whose life was taken before it even really had a chance to begin. And, um, I guess just easy to paint a person like your mother as someone that is cruel and as a murderer. So can you just talk a little bit about that postpartum illness and, um, the awareness that you want to spread for this? Yeah, of course. Um, so this is actually like, it's kind of a rare thing. Like usually people don't get postpartum psychosis full blown unless they have like a previous like mental illness diagnosis, but, um, it can happen just from postpartum depression as well. If it gets bad enough. Um, she actually, we had um, several different times where CPS had visited us and there's probably like 30 911 calls just from our house alone before this incident happened. Um, there was an instance where she left my middle brother in his car seat at the library. Um, and um, she called the cops saying that he got kidnapped, that they found him, you know, just chilling at the library where she had like left. So there was definitely like signs leading up to this. I just want to like make sure I get the, get those like kind of things to look out for out there because it is really important to look for those and um, women that just had a baby. Like it's, you can definitely see the red flags beforehand. Um, I just urge everyone that like knows a mom who just gave birth in their life, like, I urge them to really check in on them. Like, I know everyone says that, but do not ignore those red flags because it would be better for a child to be taken away and be safe from the mom than to, you know, have an incident like what happened to us happen. Other People's Lives is sponsored by BetterHelp. And I want to quickly talk about uncertainty. It's something we all feel when it comes to our life, our careers, our relationships. And sometimes we can't always see a clear path forward when we come to a fork in the road. I went through this recently. It was time for me and my family to move. And we'd been in the same place for six years. And suddenly we were faced with this major decision to have to pick a new place that would 
suit the needs of myself, my wife, but also our soon to be one year old daughter. And honestly, making a decision that would so greatly impact my family, it really became overwhelming and it weighed on me and I had trouble navigating and making a choice. One thing that really helped me through everything was therapy. I was able to share my experiences, talk through my options and discover what was really at the core of my stress and indecisiveness around this big decision. Therapy helps you stay connected to what you really want while you navigate life. So you can move forward with confidence and excitement. And it helped me a lot. And it helped me ultimately make what I believe to be the right decision. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. And all you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire and you'll get matched with a licensed therapist. So let therapy be your map with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com OPL today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash OPL. And, you know, where, where is your mom now with this entire thing? When you go and see her, like, do you guys talk about that at all at a different, you know, you're at a different age now than you were at a certain point. And, you know, you said you have forgiven her since. Um, when did that conversation happen where you, you, you know, told her that and, you know, kind of how does your mom sort of rationalize what she's done like today? Um. So she's like completely like med stabilized and everything now that she's in there. Um, I've had kind of, like I mentioned before, a lot of conversations with her over the years. Um, I just kind of, you know, just brought it up one day and we we're pretty comfortable talking about what happened now. You know, it is like a depressing thing. So we don't talk about it like all the time, but um, yeah, it's just, it's kind of known we have a really good relationship now we just we talk on the phone every week it's about what's going on and, but it seems like she yeah. like she has remorse for the situation like fully. oh yeah definitely mm-hmm. yeah she had it as soon as she like was out of that psychosis state um, has your father went through a trial has your father hmm? forgiven her uh that's a little bit more of a rocky kind of thing he I, I don't I don't I can't truthfully like say whether he has or not I'm sure he has at least a little bit of consideration for the fact that what she was mentally ill but yeah it's a little <laughs> it's a little bit more rocky on that side of things but, is is that the same um, with your other brother and other family members um my other brother he's kind of has a similar relationship as I do with her. Like we both, you know, grew up seeing her. And um, I do want to mention too, my, my dad advocated for us to see her during the trial as well. That way we wouldn't grow up like completely without a mom. So he does, you know, at least have some consideration for the fact that it's still our mom at the end of the day, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So is, is your worry with situations like this that, just sort of the outlook that society might have for, you know, moms or people who go through states of psychosis and commit these acts will sort of just be cast aside or just be labeled as monsters. But there's obviously more to it is what you're saying. And that it's, you know, mental illness, obviously playing a huge role in these actions. Yeah. It's actually, um, I remember doing, uh, 
an essay in college about this subject just because it's been very important to me um, to like kind of get the word out there about this. Um, and I have found a document with just lists of moms that had done the same thing that were either, you know, just labeled as, you know, this monster mom or, you know, this murderer, this and that. But yeah, definitely the news plays a big impact of that, uh, in that. Of just like portraying them as, you know, just straight up like horrible people, you know, and society definitely views them as such, which is unfortunate because it's, you know, not always their fault. Like they're in a state of mind where, and I can't speak for like all cases because there are some cases where there's not really anything on that side of things um, making them do this, but it's, it's definitely hard to combat a mental illness especially when you have like a new baby and you're trying to go through all that stress and lack of sleep and hormone changes as well so yeah it's definitely in society I've had people over the years you know talk badly about moms like that I've seen um just online you can look up her name and you can see that um, people like will comment horrible things like they should have never had more kids and this and that and yeah but it's definitely something that the society kind of just brushes off and doesn't really think that it could happen to them but it really can happen to anyone and you know what kind of lasting effects do do you think this has had on you you know, when it's happening at such a young age and that's a lot to sort of digest. Um, and it is something that, like you just said, not a lot of people are going to go through, uh, even though it could happen to anyone. Not a lot of this doesn't happen to a lot of people. So, you know, and maybe you don't know the answer to this yet, but do you have you recognized anything um, that you would say is a direct result of this happening to you at such a young age? Um. Yeah, I've definitely, like, I've done a little bit of therapy over the years, but I'm definitely, like, I can feel the effects of trauma. Like, I have really horrible memory from my childhood. I, um, yeah, I've had many different, like, triggers over the years. Like, I have anxiety from this. Lots of different, like, that trauma sticks with you, even though I don't remember much of it. It definitely has a lasting effect. Do you want to be a mom yourself one day? Yeah. Um, actually at first when I was like in my teenage years, I was like terrified of becoming a mom. Like I kind of had this mindset where like, I didn't want to become a mom cause I was scared that could happen to me. You know, it's just kind of something that was always like seated in my mind, but Eventually, I, like, worked through those emotions on my own. I talked to my uh, my current partner about it. And now I definitely want to be a mom, and I hope to someday. <laughs> nice. And, you know, to, I guess, leave, uh, you know, with some impactful advice as well. You mentioned grief counseling, and, um, you know, you just answered Joe's question about how this has affected you negatively. Um, but any positives that you took from that grief counseling or just any advice for anyone, you know, who might experience this level of trauma of things that have been helpful for you? Yeah. Um, I, 
I think it's really helpful to feel those emotions you're feeling, like really just take a step back and kind of evaluate what you went through. Um, it doesn't have to be like an everyday thing, but as soon as you feel those emotions bubble up, definitely don't push them down and keep going. Like it is really important to cry it out and let yourself feel those things because otherwise you're just left with a bubbling up of emotions and then you have big breakdowns. I'm sure a lot of us do that, but yeah, I just really think it's important to talk about it too. Yeah. And, you know, we really appreciate you coming on our show and talking about it too. I imagine it's not the easiest thing to speak about. Um, so we really do appreciate you coming on and, and sharing your story and, uh, you know, opening up to us. Yeah. Thank you guys for having me. I'm really happy to, you know, share, you know, obviously it's a very hard thing to share, but I think it's important that people are like are aware of this because it's really not talked about that much. No. Yeah. Especially this perspective. And, you know, like you said, it's, Definitely, I think, a controversial viewpoint. And, you know, a lot of people yeah. have opinions about cases like this. But to speak, you know, to someone who lived through this and, um, you know, just kind of you found a way to navigate this and get through this and, you know, decide to continue your relationship with your mother. Um, but, yeah, we uh, really appreciate you coming on, explaining this. And like you said, uh, before we started recording, you never talked about this really with anyone to this extent. And we're just always, you know, so honored when people pick our platform to uh, have that conversation for the first time. So thank you so much. And we definitely wish you the best of luck with everything. Thank you guys so much for providing me for space to talk about it. It's very nice too. All right. Well, thank you. And we hope you have a great rest of your day. You guys too. Thank you so much. All right. Have a good one. Bye. You too. Bye. That is so difficult. Um, it's, you know, it's interesting when it comes to family and people doing things wrong. Like even, even when she was talking about like, she has forgiven her mother and there's people listening who, who probably have never dealt with something like that. And they're just like, there's no way I could forgive mm -hmm. my mother for something like that. But even you hear it generationally in that story where, the grandparents were trying to be like, this is, this is the mental illness thing, go to a hospital, whatever. Like when it's your family, you try to protect them at all costs, no matter what, mm -hmm. which is interesting. And it's like, a, that's a very difficult position to be in unless you've ever dealt with something like that. Um, it's hard to even comprehend because it's easy and like, you know, just to, in a clear mind to be like, yeah, of course you would never forgive these people like for doing something like that. So heinous. Mm -hmm. um, but once you're actually faced with it, it's like, this is my family member who did something like, and I know them and, and they, and they're not an evil person. Like, why would they do it? There has to be something else at play here, which clearly there, there was, I mean, there was some mental illness, you know, involved in this. Um, yeah. And I don't think she's advocating for like, doesn't deserve to be in prison or, you know, that there shouldn't be consequences for these actions. But yeah, that dynamic when it's your family, it just gives you so much to think about. And even thinking about from the dad's perspective of what that must feel like your wife for however many years has just murdered your youngest child. Yeah. But then to also make the decision of, well, I'm going to let my kids see her because I also don't want this other dynamic in their lives of growing up without a mother, even mm -hmm. though their mother committed this terrible. It's just, yeah, like you said, it's uh, 
that to it's it's something that is so easy to throw opinions at when we read headlines like this and i'm sure a lot of people have opinions about this too which is fine um but yeah to hear that perspective of someone you know actually navigating that world as the child you know of a mom who who did this is just wow yeah it's a position you never want to find yourself in and i mean i also would argue that it requires some sort of mental instability to murder especially in a way like that um so it's it's tough and I, and you know like you said she's not advocating for her to be out and like oh it's fine it's just mental illness it's not a big deal it's not her fault like yeah no she deserves to be in prison and she whatever she got 22 years or something like that um you can only hope that after she's done the time that she's in a better place and something like this can be avoided i guess i mean it's it, it's very unfortunate for everyone involved like it's just fucked um well i think like she said too like looking at the warning signs because it just it's always so it just hurts when you hear that there were so many signs or the number yeah. of 911 calls she men mentioned or cps showing up and when there's that many warning signs and then nothing happens and it it feels like it could have been avoided right is, is that's very scary so i you know i thought that was important for her to share too of you know what these red flags are and how serious to take them yeah you can't really judge people you know people's reactions in these scenarios because you, you can only imagine what the hell it would be like um but we appreciate her coming on and being so honest and truthful on our platform and uh, for anyone else out there that would like to be a guest on our show don't hesitate to reach out to us our email is oplpodcast at gmail.com send us an email with your story and we go through all of them and uh, if it fits for the show then we'll reach out to you and we'll schedule something yeah we're always recording this season next season the season after that so if you have something you want to talk about reach out you never know and uh, follow us on instagram tiktok at opl podcast you can head over to patreon.com slash opl show and that is all this week see you guys next time